Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you today. God bless you all. Uh, I am so thankful for this church and our amazing pantry that now runs on Saturdays. Yesterday was our big uh, pantry here at Valley Center. If you've never done that before and you want to take part, reallife.la slash forward slash pantry is the place to go. Uh, we, we have been blessed with a great number of volunteers and many needy folks who have come through our doors uh, in need of groceries. So I'm thankful that we're a church that gets to care for the needs of our neighborhood and our surrounding community. Um, there are so many churches that have given up the possibility of being an influence in their community because that long ago they decided we are an insular community that exists for ourselves. We exist only for the, the members who are already here. We're going to keep doing things that only insiders would understand or like, and we're just not going to be concerned about the world around us. So many churches have done that. And when churches make that shift away from the gospel and away from the mission of Jesus towards a, a self-serving environment like a country club, those churches just peter away. Those churches ended up closing their doors one day because they have lost the vision that God calls us to. God calls us to a vision of influence, of reaching the world around us. And that's the series of teachings that we're in right now. But a lot of us look at that and think, well, that's kind of intimidating. I'm not an influential person. I don't have circles of people around me. How am I supposed to make a difference? Today, I want to look at a text in the scriptures, in the story of Jesus, in which Jesus interacted with someone who, by the world's standards, was of no significance at all. Somebody who would have been overlooked by society, dismissed by society. And it's someone who engages with Jesus. And despite her insignificance to the world's standards, she is of infinite value to God. And despite having no apparent circles to influence her story has influenced people for 2,000 years. It is a beautiful, powerful story. And it'll shape the way you and I think about the influence that God calls us to. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you call us to the places you want us to be. You, you put us in those places you mean for us to be, that you need for us to be in order to reach the people that you love. And so I ask that you would help us to let go of of the need for worldly acknowledgement, the need for recognition, and instead to live wholly committed to you with our eyes on you listening for your call. May we not miss the little things in our path that are of infinite value to you. Instead, we shed the things of this world. We walk away from the desire for recognition or acknowledgement or thanks and we live only to communion with you. So open our hearts and our minds and our wills to your word this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, let's look at a biblical text from the story of Jesus. This is in the gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Uh, Mark was a traveling companion of Peter. And so Mark has all the gospel uh, secondhand from 
uh, one of Jesus' closest disciples. This is in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She has some kind of physical problem, some health issue that she's suffered from, from for 12 years. And the fact that it's a bleeding issue is of significance in the Jewish culture. Because according to Leviticus 15, if, uh, if a woman was bleeding, she was unclean for a week. And that separates her from society. She was actually supposed to go outside the village for a week until she was ritually clean again. And if anybody touched her, if anybody came in physical contact with her, that person was unclean for a day. Uncleanliness in the, in the ancient Hebrew culture would exclude you from such things as worship in the temple. You could not go in the temple if you were ritually unclean. So the fact that for 12 years she has been bleeding means that for 12 years she's supposed to have been separate from society and, and unable to have physical contact with anyone else. The fact that this is a, an issue of bleeding is of significance culturally uh, in her day. Verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, this is of significance as well. She's gone to doctors. They haven't been able to do it. And she has spent all she had. There, there's a, a social stigma, which exists to this day and certainly existed in the ancient world, that said, uh, if, if you have reached out for help and instead of getting better, you've gotten worse and, and you've, you've kind of dwindled your resources in the, in the process, it, it looks like maybe God isn't taking care of you. So maybe you've done something that has offended God. Uh, you look at the, the Hebrew scriptures from beginning to end, those who are faithful are blessed by God. Abraham follows God wherever God calls and God adds to his flocks and his herds and he ends up very wealthy in the end. Um, uh, King David is faithful to God, and he ends up uh, ruler over a whole kingdom and ends up very wealthy. His son Solomon <clears throat> begins his, his life, his kingship, very uh, faithfully asking for God's wisdom, and he's blessed and becomes very rich. Uh, Daniel, when he's in slavery in Babylon, is blessed by God with education and God's favor. Uh, Ezra is, is blessed by God and goes and reestablishes the kingdom. Everybody who's faithful to God along the way is blessed by God. Even Jesus says, if you put first God's kingdom and his righteousness, everything you need will be added to you as well. God's favor follows those who are obedient throughout the scriptures. And so if you're, if you're suffering, if you're, if you're sick, if, if it seems like fate has turned against you, it was not uncommon to say, well, you must have done something to offend God. In the book of Job, uh, Job's family falls apart, his, his relatives die, his property is lost, and he becomes sick. And his friends gather around him and say, what did you do? What sin did you commit? It must have been your fault. Now, the book ends with God saying, that wasn't the case at all, you have terrible friends. Uh, and in Jesus' ministry, we see Jesus reject this idea as well. There's a man who's born blind, and Jesus' disciples ask, who sinned? Was it him or his parents that he has to be born blind? And Jesus says, that's not the way it is. Jesus says, God calls, causes rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Right? So, so our external circumstances are not determinant of how God feels about us. Don't ever get yourself in a place where you think, well, terrible things have happened to me. Maybe God is mad at me. Maybe God is punishing me. Maybe God has forgotten me. That's not who the Bible says God is. God loves you and desires to lavish blessings on you. 
God wants a relationship with you and he wants to care for you. He's not vindictive. He's not petty. And when you believe that Jesus died for you, everything you've ever done is washed clean. There's nothing for God to get back at you uh, about because all of God's anger is poured out on the cross. So for this woman who's suffering this issue for 12 years and is now poor as well, it would have been an easy assumption in the culture around her to say, well, you must have done something wrong. This isn't just a physical issue, it's a moral issue. Uh, so that's the situation she's in. She's now separated from society, she uh, is, is broke, and she's probably lost any sense of hope that people would like her or care for her. They're probably turning away from her. Even, even their sympathy has dwindled because it looks like, uh, in their worldview, uh, this must be her fault. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. All she has to do is have enough faith to reach out for Jesus. This isn't even one of those situations where Jesus reaches out and heals her. She goes to him in faith, apparently by surprise, and reaches out and touches him. All God wants for us, all God calls us to, is just enough faith to reach out for Jesus. And it's in the presence of Jesus that we are healed. Uh, I remember a, a woman at, a, at our church in uh, Hawaii, where I was an associate pastor many years ago, uh, had two hearing aids and could not hear well at all. And she sat in uh, one of the worship services uh, on a Sunday morning, straining to hear the sermon. Even with her hearing aids on, she couldn't hear well. And, and right towards the end of the sermon, uh, she said it was like somebody turned up both of my hearing aids really loud. They just popped and I had to take them out because everything was so loud all of a sudden. And she said, I noticed as I walked across the, the patio, normally the sound of people talking was just a din of white noise, but now I could hear individual voices. I could hear what people were saying without my hearing aids. And, and I went to the doctor and the doctor says, well, I don't know what to tell you, but you don't need your, your hearing aids anymore. Well, she called the, the senior pastor of our church and told him this story. She says, I think my hearing came back during your sermon uh, no one was even praying for it. It just happened in the middle of the sermon. And he said, hey, a curious question. Where in the sermon did it happen? And she says it was right at the end. It was right, you're next to the last sentence. And he went back to the pages in the sermon and looked to see what he was saying right at the end of that sermon. And, and the next to the last sentence, the last thing he was saying was a quote from the scriptures in which Jesus is calling attention to who he is. And he says, go and tell him, when, when, you, when you see me where I am, the blind see, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. It happened at that moment that her hearing came back, right in the middle of a worship service. Nobody was even praying for her. She wasn't asking at that moment, can I be healed? It happened because she had just enough faith to seek out the presence of Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants for us. Just enough faith to seek out his presence because it's in the presence of Jesus that we find healing. I want you to listen to a pastor 
uh, right in the midst of his story. This is an incredible story. Uh, this is a pastor who had been a pastor for many years and then a, a virus affected his vocal cords and he was unable to speak. Uh, he can only speak in kind of a hoarse whisper like this. Uh, you'll hear it. And, and for three years, uh, he, he could only speak in a hoarse whisper. He had to leave his job as a pastor. Uh, despite the fact that his congregation loved him, he was in a good place, he couldn't stay there and preach anymore. And three years later, he was invited to speak to a Sunday school class. And he was very reluctant to do it. He said, I can only speak in a whisper. And they said, we'll give you a microphone. And he goes, yeah, it, it won't sound good. And they said, we want you to do it anyway. And he went and spoke to this Sunday school class about healing. And he talked to them about how he still believed in healing today. And he still believed that God was good, despite the fact that his voice was gone. And then something miraculous happened in the middle of that Sunday school class. And because the class was being recorded, we now have the audio from what happened in the middle of his talk. And I want you to listen to that now. Listen to this video. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess, and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that, Every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of Scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in the box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm 
not quite sure what to say or do. Hi, <laughs> 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 <I'm>, uh, <laughs> Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, it is in the presence of Jesus that we are healed. This woman had just enough faith to sneak into a crowd where she did not belong because she's, she's ritually unclean, and to reach out and touch Jesus, which she's not supposed to do, because if you touch someone, you make them unclean for the day. But she has just enough faith to believe that there is healing in Jesus. Okay. Uh, continuing on now. Uh, you might ask, uh, in reading this text, she had been suffering with this for 12 years. Uh, this pastor that we listened to had been suffering with his damaged vocal cords for three years. Why so long? If God could just heal things, why doesn't he just do it? They, if people ask for healing and God doesn't do it immediately, why not? Why have I been suffering so long from the things I have been lifting up to God? If God has the power to do it and the will to do it, why hasn't he healed it? The first and last answer to that is always going to point towards the mystery of God. There are things about God's will and God's nature that we just cannot know. God doesn't explain himself to us. And if that answer is unsatisfying to you, you're just going to have to be unsatisfied. You're going to have to be dissatisfied because, because God does not owe us an explanation for who he is. But I do see in the narrative of the scriptures certain indicators of what God might be doing. There, there are certain, certain contributors to the process of healing that you see in the scriptures. Jesus will commend this woman's faith. And faith is always a contributor to healing. It's not the only one. Um, obedience and a, a will to love. These are all part of the mixture of God doing what he does. But I also know and I see in the scriptures that sometimes God can only give us things in the desert. God can only give us things when we go through a season of, of lack. The Hebrews fleeing Egypt would not have known God's generosity to provide for them if they had not walked through a desert where God would rain down bread from the sky. It, it's sometimes that, that in the desert, God shows us how generous he is. And, and the lessons that we learn in the desert shape who we are. Those desert experiences, as much as we hate them, are sometimes the vehicle for God's blessings. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to say God doesn't owe us an explanation and may not explain to us. But we do know from the stories we see in the life of Jesus and from stories we see in the world today that God has the power over life and death. God has the power to bring miracles about today. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Thanks, disciples. 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus was so attentive to the Holy Spirit that he could feel when power had left him. And that's true for us as well. And if that's a completely foreign language to you, if that's completely unfamiliar, I get it. I grew up never hearing anything like that. But we're called to be so attentive to the movements of the Holy Spirit that we're aware of when the Spirit is moving. And if that's an unfamiliar language to you, it just means that we have room to grow in our relationship to God and our relationship to the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and peace and be freed from your suffering. She's afraid because she's touched him, which she wasn't supposed to do, and she was not hoping to be called out for it. She was hoping to sneak into the crowd, touch him, be healed, and run away, which is exactly how you and I go to God all the time. I need help with my finances. I'm going to sneak up behind you. You're going to bless me, and then I'm going to run away, so we're done. God is going to be my ATM machine. I'm having trouble with my health. I'm going to sneak up. I'm going to heal you, and then we're good, and I'm going to go back to all the things I was doing before. I need help in my relationships. I'm going to get involved a little bit. You're going to heal those. Then I'm going to go back to doing life the way I was. And when we do that, God is going to call us out. God is going to identify us in the crowd. It's never to embarrass us. It's to bless us. Because he doesn't want to be our ATM. He wants to be our father. And when he calls us out, it is so that we will pause and be in relationship with him. And now he blesses her further. He says, look, it's your faith that healed you. Good for you. And now go and live a life of peace. When he calls us out, it's so he can bless us further. So Jesus uh, sees this woman in the crowd who has just enough faith to believe and reaches out and touches him. He senses the Holy Spirit go out from him. And then he makes her identify herself in the crowd only so that she can sense how deeply he loves her. Faith is not just believing that God is there. Faith is believing that God wants to do good by you. Hebrews 11:6. in order to please God, we have to have faith that says he's there and also that he rewards those who seek him. He wants us to believe that he has good plans for us so that we will come just close enough to reach out for him. It's in the presence of Jesus that we're healed. And Jesus wants to work healing in our lives. Now, uh, you might ask, um, what has that got to do with influence? When we're in a series on uh, influence, what, what, has, what does this have to do with this? Today, in our world, influence is measured in likes and followers. It's measured in how big your circles are. It's measured in how many people that you can make do things. I, I wear this clothes on my Instagram account, and then somebody goes out and buys it. I, I've seen, actually seen this uh, in church uh, in a funny way. If I drop a reference to a restaurant on Sunday morning, and then I go to that restaurant for lunch, there are people from church who are there, right? Because just that subtle suggestion. So that's why I, I like to talk about Chick-fil-A uh, on Sundays, because it's closed, and I watch you guys drive by on Sunday after church. Just kind of disappointed. Um, but we measure influence in, in likes and followers. That's not the mind of God. God's, God's definition of influence, the kind of influence he calls us to, is where we look with generosity on the people who are most ignored and realize that they are children of God, beloved by God, and God longs to reconcile with 
lost children, with people who have run away from him or don't know him. This woman was ostracized from society because of the nature of her sickness. Now she was broken. They would have easily looked at her and said, it's your fault, you've, you've made God mad at you. It, she had no influence at all. And it's exactly people like that to whom God calls us. There are people in your life right now who are absolutely alone. They, they don't fit in. They don't have social circles. They're, they're alone. And it's to people such as that that God wants us to go and bless them. This woman was a daughter of God, beloved by God, and no one around her could see it. But she had just enough faith to step into the presence of Jesus where we're healed. If you're in a place where you feel like you've run out of influence, You've gotten far enough down life's road where you've said, I, you know, I'm not going to have an influence in this life. I, I have to settle for what I have because I, I don't have circles. I don't have followers. I don't, I'm not going to be an influence. My life isn't going to be of significance. That's not what God sees in you. God sees in you a beloved child who he cherishes, who he would do anything for, whom he would die for so as to be reconciled to you. And he wants you to know how much healing he has for you if you'll just step into his presence. And then he's going to send you out in the world. Not to, not to go and amass followers, but to seek those little quiet hiding people along the way who are afraid to step into the crowd, who have nothing to offer, those people are sons and daughters of God as well. And he's going to send you to them to show them the kind of love that you found in Jesus. Uh, I remember uh, years ago um, meeting a pastor. Uh, my staff was on a retreat. Once, about once a year, we go on a retreat. And we pick a city, and we go to that city for about three days, and we go to about six different churches. And we meet the staff, and we interview the staff, and we tour the facilities. We learn what we can learn, and we, then we bring the best ideas back. And we try to go to a city within driving distance. So we've been to San Diego and Santa Barbara and Phoenix. And one time, I like to tell people, we went to Henderson. Uh, Henderson is attached to Las Vegas. We went to Las Vegas. We weren't gambling. But uh, it's, you, know, you don't want to tell everybody that the pastor took the whole staff to go to Las Vegas. So we went to Henderson. We were in Las Vegas. And we went to six different churches while we were there. And we went to this one church, and we had scheduled an appointment to meet the pastor. And between the time we scheduled the appointment and the time we got there, he resigned from his job. And so he met us there that day and said, yeah, I'm in my last week or two. I'm leaving. And so, you know, it was a little sensitive. We weren't sure where to go with that. And we asked what he was doing next, and he didn't have plans, which, which usually indicates something maybe is wrong going on. And we asked him why he was leaving his church. And then he began to talk about a deep dissatisfaction he had with this congregation uh, and how I think he was frustrated with them. And, you know, I, I don't know his whole story, so I can't judge. It, they, they may have been bad to him. I don't know. But, but there was a moment that was a little strange. I asked him, well, what did you like best about this congregation? And he answered, the access to the freeway. What, what I had meant was, what did you like best about the people who were here? And he pointed to the off-ramp on the freeway that was close to the church, which would have allowed more people to come to the church. I don't know his story, and I don't know exactly what was going on, but what it sounded like was, this church isn't, isn't ever going to be a big enough influence, and so I don't want to be here. 
It's too small for me. The people here are too small for me. That, that was what it sounded like. And that's not the vision of the kingdom. The vision of the kingdom is that we are never too small in the eyes of the God who made us and loves us and cherishes us and wants us back. And the people to whom God sends us are never too small because God created them and loves them and cherishes them and wants them back. Our influence comes about in just seeking out and loving uh, the ones that he has for us. Um, contrast that pastor uh, with the, the firemen and the first responders who went into those buildings on September 11th, 20 years ago. They went in to save people whose names they would never know. And it had nothing to do with the significance or the importance of the people in the buildings. It had to do with the fact that they believed that life was sacred and worth saving. And at its heart, that is fundamentally a Christian value. Every life out there is a, a son or daughter of God cherished by the God who made them. God wants us to go out seeking the least and the lost, to love them in Jesus' name, to call them into the presence of Jesus, because in Jesus' presence, we find healing. I'm going to pray right now, and I want you to pray. I want you to ask Jesus to, to place on your heart someone in your world who needs to be loved. And it may not be the most uh, important, most vocal, most visible person out there. It, it may be somebody who gets ignored. It may be somebody like this woman who is pushed to the side. And I want you to pray that Jesus would open up opportunities for you to extend his love to that person this week. Let's pray together. God, I, I thank you that when we are unimportant, you love us all the more. I thank you that when we are brushed aside, you pay attention to us. And so we come to you seeking to step into your presence, seeking healing, not just in our bodies, but deep in our hearts. And so, God, for, for anybody listening who feels like their influence is spent and their life doesn't count for much, God, I, I ask that you'd surround them with your spirit. Just, just immerse them in your love for them. And then as, as we go out this week, send us out on a mission to seek those who are of, of least importance by the world's standards. Not those who are most popular or most wealthy or most, most gorgeous. Send us out on a mission to those who have been brushed aside. To invite them into your presence and to find healing. God, may we never lose sight of that kind of influence. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you again. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.